Folks, if you weren't here last week, or regardless if you, uh, if you were here last week, we give you a little bit of a rundown. Uh, we started last week by taking a look at, at, uh, at Moses, this, uh, this biblical giant uh, of Christian history and, and Jewish history. And uh, we talked a lot about um, Moses' faults. Moses had a lot of faults. We remember that in a lot of ways he was not, by a long shot, anything remotely close to perfect. He argued with God a lot. He didn't want the job in the first place. He tried to turn it down. He constantly needed reassuring. He constantly needed persuading. He constantly needed pushing by God. From the scriptures, we know that, uh, that, God, that Moses intentionally, very intentionally disobeyed God on a number of occasions. Oh, and by the way, he was also a murderer. All of that we talked about, all of that. And yet Moses has been considered for thousands of years to be a great example of a hero of the Christian faith. Despite all of that, despite all of his deliberate sins, despite all of his shortcomings, Scripture tells us that God knew Moses by name. And when Scripture says that God knew Moses by name, it means that they had a very close, very personal, very intimate relationship with one another. Scripture says that despite all that, God found favor with Moses. Not only did he know him by name, not only did he find favor with God, but Scripture tells us that God was in fact pleased with him despite all of those sins and all of those imperfections. So this unshakable, this relentless love of God for Moses, I told you guys last week, kind of gave us a foreshadowing. It gave us a foreshadowing of the salvation that was going to come for all humanity thousands of years later through the death and through the resurrection of Christ. Way back in the Old Testament, we got a glimpse of the fact that God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's redemption are not based on our actions and they are not based on our inactions. They are not based on our sins. They are not based on our lack of sins. They are not based on our abilities or our inabilities. They are not based on our morals. They are not based on our personal ethics. And they are certainly not based on our feeble, feeble, feeble attempts to follow all of the Old Testament commandments and the commandments of Jesus as if we could actually do that. We can't. Thank God that Christianity is not about sin management. We would all fail. God loves us because God loves. Period. Because God is love. As the Apostle John tells us, God is love. The Bible actually says that. And that love was made perfect through Jesus. So because of Christ's work on the cross, because of his resurrection, we are all righteous before God. We are all given the opportunity to be in a perfect relationship with our Creator, not because of anything we've done, anything we haven't done, not because of anything we might do in the future. This is the gospel, church. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we say that it's a free gift, we mean it's a free gift. We mean you don't, we, when, we say you, when we tell you you don't have to do anything to get it, we mean that you don't have to do anything to get it. That's the gospel of Jesus but we mess it up so, so very much. And we talked a little bit about that last week. We'll talk about it more today. We're going to talk about it in the weeks to come. You know, as the, let me, let me, why, why do we complicate this thing so much? The, the early church didn't complicate it. 
In the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says this about the gospel. Here's the gospel. As a matter of fact, let me read it to you. Let me read this. Let me tell you what the... Y'all know who Paul is, right? Yeah, we all heard of Paul. This is what Paul says is the gospel. You find it in 1 Corinthians. And he actually says something very, very similar in a couple other places. It's in 1 Corinthians 15. And I've quoted, I've, I've read this to you guys before, uh, but it's worth reading. Actually, it's worth reading every, pretty, pretty often, rereading pretty often. Because this is the gospel of Jesus. This is the gospel according to the Apostle Paul, the dude who wrote the vast majority of the New Testament. Here's what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. I want to remind you guys of the gospel. The gospel means what? It means good news. I want to remind you guys of the good news that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. By what I'm about to tell you, again, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word that I preached to you, maintain faith. For what I received, I passed on to you as a matter of first importance. First importance, what does that mean? It means this is the main thing. Of all the stuff we're going to talk about, of all the ethics, all the morality, all that, all that stuff we're going to talk about, this is what's number one. This comes first and foremost. This is the most important thing about Christian doctrine and Christianity in general. What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Now, are y'all ready for this? Are y'all ready for this long dissertation about what the early church, about what the Apostle Paul told people was the gospel when he shared the gospel with people? Y'all ready for it? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Bless you. That's the gospel according to Paul. That Christ lived, that he was born, that he died, and that he was resurrected. And that is the gospel that brought 3,000 people. Paul didn't preach the, the uh, gospel at Pentecost. Peter did that. But that's the gospel that brought 3,000 people. To God, to Christ. A simple explanation of the fact that Jesus Christ, Son of God, lived, died, and was resurrected. And it's yours for the taking. That was the gospel that was preached. Unfortunately, that's not the gospel, and I'm guilty of it as anybody, folks. I'm just as guilty of it. I told you guys that last week. That's not the gospel a lot of us learn. That's not a gospel that a lot of us preach. And you have to be wary of it. I have to be, I have to be wary of it. Because I can slide back into trying to teach, trying to believe, trying to preach something else. Sandy, where's that next slide? The gospel is Jesus, people. The gospel is Jesus. Just Jesus. Not Jesus plus anything. Not Jesus plus following the law and the commandments like we talked about last week. Not Jesus plus trying to live some kind of sinless life. Sin management, like I said a minute ago, like we could ever possibly do that. Not Jesus plus feeding the hungry, and y'all know that I believe in feeding the hungry. Or whatever other good deed that we can think of. The gospel is Jesus and Jesus only. It is absolutely free, and it comes with no strings attached. Unbelievable, unfathomable gift of God's grace through Jesus Christ. We don't earn it because Jesus has already secured it 
for us. Jesus plus anything is not the gospel. But like I said a minute ago, somehow, some way, for whatever reason or for whatever reasons, we just don't want to accept this. We don't want to accept it, especially when it comes to other people. We want to make it more, and we want to add to it. For some crazy reason, we want to retreat away from the gospel of God's grace, the true gospel of Jesus, and we want to embrace that law again. It's part of our nature, I guess, and I'm just as susceptible to it. I'm just as guilty of it as anybody. Y'all know that I take the commands of Jesus very, very seriously. But I also find myself worn out by trying to do this, by trying to accomplish these things. I find myself beaten down by my own desire to live up to an ideal that is utterly impossible for me to ever, ever, ever even remotely live up to. I beat myself up and I disappoint myself all the time because I'm looking to the law of Jesus and not to the gospel of Jesus. All of us do that to one degree or another. Maybe it's the way we were raised. Maybe it's the way that we were taught. Kevin mentioned this morning that this is Reformation Sunday. If y'all don't know what the Reformation was, that was, that was when the, the Protestant denomination was, was basically formed. It was a pull away from the Catholic Church and the main teaching, the main doctrine of Pro- Protestant theology is salvation by grace through faith alone, as Kevin said. But we want to get away from that. We want to steer away from that, man, and we, wanna, we still want to grab a hold to the law and say that that's the gospel and believe that that's the gospel. We want to do more. We want to tell people to do more. We want to tell people to try harder. We have a control issue in the church, by the way, where we want to make people into our vision of what a Christian is. A Christian is somebody who accepts the gospel and receives the gospel, period. Period. I don't care if you receive the gospel today. I don't care if you received the gospel 80 years ago. We are all equal. There's no, there's no levels of Christianity. There's no levels of salvation. Nobody is more saved. Nobody's more justified. Nobody is more righteous than the person sitting next to them. I'm always reminded, folks, I'm always reminded. And Kevin has talked about this before when he's up here. The guy, the guy hanging next to Jesus when he was crucified, he didn't have an opportunity to go out and do works. He didn't go have an opportunity to go out and feed the hungry. He didn't have a go, an opportunity to go out and practice some kind of sin management effort in his life. He simply knew he was about to die. And he, <laughs> and he turned to Christ and he received that gospel while he was hanging up there on that cross. And what does the Bible tell us? Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in eternity. Not because of anything you've done, because you're not going to get that opportunity. But because of who I am. Simply, simply receive it. But all of us want to do this, folks. I want to do it. I, 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 I veer towards law. I veer, especially the commandments of Jesus. I, I veer towards the commandments. I want, to, I want to be the most forgiving person in the world. I want to be the most loving person in the world. I want to... I, I want to uh, 
I want to love my enemies. I want to pray for those who persecute us. Guess <laughs> y'all are laughing. I hear y'all laughing. Like I said last week, church, how is that working out for me? How is that working out for y'all? It's not working out for me very well. Now, I have changed. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, the Holy Spirit has worked through me to, to change some behavior, some, some thought patterns, all that good stuff, but it, it's nothing that I've done. I can't force myself to forgive somebody. If we're honest with us, none of us can. The self-will is weak. The self-will is weak. Human nature is weak as all get out. That's another major teaching of the Protestant Reformation is the weakness of our will. Our will is pretty much non-existent. So any amount of change that ever occurs in my mind, in my heart, in my life, in my behavior, that's also, guess what, a gift of God. A gift of God. But I still want to go back to that law, man. I still want to go back. Instead of simply having faith in what Christ has already done for me, like he tells us, abide in me and I will abide in you. Trust. Have faith. Let me do my job. Instead of doing that, I want to go back to try to follow Jesus in my own efforts. I want to try harder. I want to try to love better, try to love more. And it just frustrates me. And it disappoints me in myself. Why can't I just accept the grace that God has already given me and rest in that, and rest in that faith and trust that at some point, God's going to work all this stuff out in my life. Not on my time, but on his time. It's going to happen. That's all we're asked to do is have faith. That's it. That's all we're asked to do is have faith. Period. All of this other stuff, all this law, some of it will come to us. Some of us will change our behavior. Some of us will change our thought patterns. All of us are going to look different. All of us are going to act different. It'll come. But Christ simply requires faith. And again, all of us have a tendency to do this. We embrace not the gospel. Not the gospel. Next, next slide, Sandy. But we embrace this idea of something I have heard referred to before as the gospel. The gospel. What is the gospel? It's a little gospel and it's a little law mixed together. A little gospel, a little bit of law mixed together. If we were honest, that's probably most of what you've heard throughout your life. I've preached it. I've preached it since I've been at Venus. I haven't preached heresy, I don't think. I've just come at it from a different angle. The Apostle Paul wrote an entire book of the Bible. The letter to the church at Galatia, what we call Galatians, that directly addresses this issue. That's the whole purpose of that whole book, that whole letter. You know, I told you guys last week that God's been doing a serious number on me personally when it comes to my relationship of understanding the gospel and understanding, uh, you know, law, gospel and commandments. And he's been doing that for about a month straight now, and he is unrelenting on doing this with me. But I'm going to tell you what, this has been the most peaceful month in my soul and in my spirit that I've had in a very, very long time. Not to say that I don't have hard days. I have hard days. I told you about some of them last week. But as far as my relationship with God and this performance anxiety that I have, it's pretty much non-existent. It's not that I don't care. I do care. But it's simply a matter of embracing the gospel of Christ. 
and having that faith in, in that and not me, not my own efforts. And I think this is a message that desperately needs to be heard, especially in our culture, where our worth, our dignity, everything that we are is based on our ability to produce or our ability to perform. Right? That's how we're gauged. That's how our worth is guided, is gauged by, by our culture. What we can produce for them. What can we produce in the world? How well do we perform? Performance is not part of the gospel. And I've never done this before, church. I've never done this. I've been preaching going on five years now. I've never done this, but I want to preach entirely through the book of Galatians with you guys because I want us to understand the true gospel and I want us to be able to take that true gospel out into the world not the gospel of God expects you to do better not the gospel of God expects you to do more that God expects you to try harder but the gospel that gives us the assurance that we are already perfectly righteous in the eyes of God no matter where we are in life because of Christ because of Christ alone, Kevin. We're not going to make it very far this week. I'm going to have some mercy on you guys. But I want to read Galatians 1, 1 through 10. Real quick for you. This is how Paul kicks off the book of Galatians. Remember, 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 this is a, this is, this is a letter. This is a letter that was written to a specific church. So he starts it off from Paul. I'm the guy that's writing this. Apostle, an apostle who is not sent from human authority or commissioned through human agency. I think it's interesting that Paul points that out about himself. I'm not coming uh, through some human, some human being, some person, some flesh and blood who has commissioned me to do this. I'm getting my message directly from God himself, directly from Christ himself. Commissioned through human agency, but sent through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and from all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins so he could deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To God be the glory forever and always. I am amazed. One thing about Paul's letter, letters, let me tell you this, is uh, there's usually a very, very long introduction to, Paul, to Paul's letters. He gives a lot of thanks and he gives a lot of gratitude to whatever's going on in the church before he jumps in right into the subject matter. He doesn't do that here. He's mad. Paul is mad, and you're going to see that as you continue to go through the book of Galatians. He's ticked off. He's upset about what's going on there. He says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of God to follow another gospel. We're not even going to get to this today, but they're preaching a different gospel. They're preaching a gospel of Jesus plus. It's not really another gospel, but certain people are confusing you and they want to change the gospel of Christ. However, even if we ourselves or a heavenly angel should even preach to you anything different from what we've preached to you, they should be under a curse. I am repeating what we've said before. If anyone preaches something different from what you received, they should be under a curse. Am I trying to win over human beings or God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's slave. I know that a lot of that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you, but I'm a, I'm, at some point we're going to get into it. That point is not going to be today. But let me just point out a couple of things here to you. Way back in 1738, there was a preacher by the name of William Holland, and he, 
And he felt the desire, he felt the need to share a book that was written by Martin Luther. Martin Luther being, not Martin Luther King, another great person, but Martin Luther, who was actually the purveyor, the starter, who kind of began this whole Protestant Reformation 500 plus years ago. But anyway, this guy Holland, he felt led to share a book that was written by Martin Luther about the book of Galatians to another guy. He wanted to share this book with a guy named Charles Wesley. Some of y'all may have heard of Charles Wesley before, particularly if you're a Methodist. So in that book that Luther wrote about Galatians, Charles Wesley read these words. These are the words of Luther. And this is a question. Have we nothing? Have we no works of the law to perform, no good deeds to do, no commands to obey? To obey? Don't we have to work at all to obtain this righteousness? Luther writes, my answer is simple. Absolutely not. For this is perfect righteousness. This is perfect righteousness. To do nothing, to hear nothing, to know nothing about the law or about works, but to only accept him whom God has made for us all our wisdom and all our righteousness and all our sanctification, all of our redemption. So after Wesley read that with this guy Holland and another guy that was there at the time, Holland later reflected on that meeting in, in, uh, in his diary, and he wrote these words. He said, after hearing those words, there came such a power over me as I cannot describe. My great burden fell off in an instant. My heart was so full of peace and love that I burst into tears. Perceiving me so affected by this, Mr. Wesley and my other companions fell on their knees and they prayed. Charles Wesley himself also reflected on this meeting later in his own diary. Here's what he wrote. He said, I marveled that we were so soon and entirely... He's talking about his ministry now. He said, I marveled that we were so soon and so entirely removed from him who had called us into the grace of Christ and that we had fallen into another gospel altogether. This is how it changed Charles Wesley's attitude about the gospel and what it means to follow Jesus. From this time forward, I endeavored to ground myself in the fundamental, fundamental truth of salvation by grace alone through faith alone. And Charles Wesley started sharing this, this epiphany that's really not that much of an epiphany. This was 200 plus years after the, after the Protestant Reformation started. But he has this great epiphany and he has this great change of heart simply recognizing the fact that he doesn't have to do anything to appease God. He doesn't have to do anything to make God happy. He doesn't have to kill himself and worry himself to death because Christ has already done all this stuff for him through grace and through grace alone. So he starts telling these pe some pe you know, a lot of people about this great epiphany he's had. One of those people that he told about this experience was a guy named John Wesley. Some of y'all may have heard of him, my fellow Methodist. And shortly after that, very shortly as a matter of fact, very, very, this is so not coincidental, very, very shortly as a matter of fact, just a few days later, John Wesley had a major shift of consciousness of his own, and he fully embraced the doctrine of justification by faith alone during a reading of another one of Luther's books <laughs> that went along with this same subject. If you're a Methodist, you may have heard, that, heard of that event referred to, Mr. Wayne, I know you have, wherever he is, as the Aldersgate experience, Wesley's Aldersgate experience, where he found his heart strangely warmed. He described it like this. He said, I felt that I did trust in Christ, 
Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and that he had saved me from the law of sin and the law of death. Now let me remind you folks that all these guys that I just mentioned, the Wesley brothers, the Holland guy, they were all in ministry already. Two of them were preachers, Holland and John Wesley, at the time that they had this experience. John Wesley had been an ordained priest in the Church of England for 10 years before it lit him on fire that all we need to do for our enoughness before God is simply accept the gift that he offers us. And we know, Methodists, what happened after that. It exploded. It started in England, moved itself across the United States. Like nothing before that. Probably not, like nothing since that. Accept that which has already been freely given to us. That's the gospel, church. Not Jesus plus not Jesus plus good works, not Jesus plus our performance, not Jesus plus rules, Jesus, period, period, period. But we still have this habit of wanting to revert back to the law. And apparently this has always been an obstacle. Ever since the initiation of the church. Sandy, can you go back to verse 6? Because here's the crux of the issue. This is the focal point of the entire book of Galatians. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ to follow another gospel. That's the crux of the whole book that we're going to be taking a look at. Some people, basically some people had gotten into the Galatian church and they started preaching Jesus plus. Jesus plus. Paul does not mint words here in our introduction. He just launches right into it. And we're going to stop there today. But I want you to just kind of think about this. Think about what I've said today. Think about the Jesus plus gospel and think about the Jesus only gospel. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Read what Paul says the gospel is. Consider this verse that I just read to you out of, uh, out of Galatians, and I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'd be surprised, too, if you know, I was offering a free gift of salvation, and I all of a sudden you know, we're telling other people they've got to add to it. Oh, yeah, you've got to believe in God. We've got to believe in Christ, but you've got to do this, 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 this. I imagine Paul was probably ticked off. Why would we want to add to it? Why would we want to add to this, this freedom that we have through the righteousness of Christ? Y'all pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, this is a, a difficult concept for many of us to grasp. This is a difficult concept for me to preach. It's a difficult concept for me to embrace in my own life, Lord. But it is the gospel, and it's the good news of Christianity. It's the good news of Christ. It is the very thing that separates Christianity from all other religions of works righteousness. May we embrace this gospel, God. May we live lives of faith, of faith, God, not relying on ourselves, not relying on our own efforts, our own wills, but relying simply in the work of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.